When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 806. How do you measure your life? Part one by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. And I'm Justin Mollick, your very own personal narrator. Welcome to Optimal Living Daily, OLD for short. Old for Shorter, where I narrate the best blogs I can get permission from, covering personal development, minimalism, productivity, all that kind of stuff. So today's post comes from Mark Manson, the author of a super popular, pretty new book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. I saw it in the Dallas airport, and then Joss from Optimal Relationships Daily found it in Amsterdam, so he's all over the place. But it's been a while since I've narrated his stuff, so I'm excited to bring more to you. And this one's a bit longer than usual, so I'll read the first half today and the rest tomorrow. So with that, let's get right to part one and start optimizing your life. How do you measure your life? Part one by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. In the early 1980s, a talented young guitarist was kicked out of his band. The band had just been signed for their first record contract and they were preparing to record their first album. A week before recording began, they fired the guitarist. There was no warning, no discussion. The guitarist woke up one day and he was handed a bus ticket home. The guitarist was demoralized. He felt betrayed. No one considered his side of the story. No one cared how he felt. At the most crucial moment of the band's short career, he was abandoned by those he trusted the most. So he vowed to start a band of his own. He would start a band so amazing and so successful that his old band would regret ever firing him. He'd become so famous that they would spend the rest of their lives thinking about what a horrible mistake they had made. His ambition would make them pay for their disrespect. He recruited even better musicians than before. He wrote and rehearsed religiously. His desire for revenge fueled his passion. His rage ignited his creativity. Within a couple of years, his new band had signed a record contract of their own and was taking off. The guitarist's name was Dave Mustaine and the band he formed was called Megadeth. Megadeth would go on to sell over 25 million albums and tour the world many times over. Today, Mustaine is considered one of the most brilliant and influential musicians in all of heavy metal music. Unfortunately, the band he was kicked out of was called Metallica. Metallica has since sold over 180 million albums worldwide, and they're considered by many to be the greatest heavy metal band of all time. And because of this, in a rare intimate interview in 2003, a tearful Mustaine admitted that he couldn't help but still consider himself a failure at times. Despite all he had accomplished, he was still the guy who got kicked out of Metallica. Tens of millions of albums sold, 
Concerts performed in stadiums full of screaming fans, millions of dollars earned, and yet, a failure. This is where most articles say, hey, don't compare yourself to others, be happy, blah, 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 and then we all over how great of a life lesson this is and go back to sharing funny pictures of Miley Cyrus on Facebook. But this advice is totally banal and petty. Don't compare yourself to others. It's up there with just be yourself and act confident in terms of how useless it is. As humans, we're wired for comparison. It's an inevitable facet of our being. We're constantly trying to gauge how we measure up to those around us. That guy is a better car than me. She is taller than me, but I'm prettier. I wonder how much money Bob makes and if his wife spends it all. Gosh, I wish the people at work listened to me the same way they listen to Jake. Comparison and the drive for status are innate parts of our nature, and that's unlikely to change anytime soon. But what we can change is the basis of those comparisons. What yardstick are we using? We may not be able to stop measuring ourselves against others, but we can decide which yardstick we use to measure. A simple example. I don't make as much money as most executives and managers in the agricultural industry. By one metric, you could, therefore, say that I am less successful than they are. And in fact, if you put me next to one on an airplane, in a fancy restaurant, at a business conference, or in an expensive nightclub, those environments would reinforce my inferiority. By those yardsticks, I would clearly not measure up. Mr. VP of Monsanto is sitting in first class. I'm not. I'm crammed in economy class between two crying babies and an obese pregnant woman. But I make a comfortable living helping people improve their lives, while Mr. VP up in first class extorts his money from thousands of poor farmers around the world, interfering with world food markets and helping perpetuate the poverty of millions of people in the developing world. So first class or not, I'm gonna feel like I have a leg up on him because it's all in how you choose to measure success. I don't measure my success by displays of monetary wealth. I prefer to measure it based on social and global impact. Is that totally self-serving and biased? Absolutely, and that's the point. You get to choose how you measure success. Most of us are never told this. It's not something we pick up in school or church. In fact, most of our social systems are built with their own metrics of success built into them, which we are then expected and sometimes forced to follow. Get good grades, make tons of money, go to church, buy nice things, raise a nice family, watch football, feign shock when Miley Cyrus shakes her ass on TV. Many of society's metrics are useful measurements for us. Many of them are not. It's vital that we remember that they're not absolute. We shouldn't limit ourselves to them. Money is nice, but one can choose to see it not as the absolute measure of wealth, but as a useful tool to help achieve true wealth. Religion gives billions of people's lives moral direction, but that doesn't require one to believe in religion to be a good moral person. Relationships and family are important, but lacking them doesn't make you any less valuable as a person. Again, we get to choose. And the beauty and the frustration is that we're all different, so most of the time our metrics will be different. How will you measure your life? Hear that in tomorrow's episode. You just listened to part one of the post titled, How Do You Measure Your Life? by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. I do miss reading Mark's stuff. He has a unique take and doesn't like to recycle the same old stuff. I also like the story of Metallica and Megadeth. It makes it easy to remember the moral of the story. 
and we'll hear more about how to measure your life in tomorrow's episode. So with that, have a great rest of your day. Hope you have a great weekend and I'll see you tomorrow where we'll finish up this post and where your optimal life awaits.